We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Uh, Newcastle United were beaten at Huddersfield, so we are here for the full crisis episode. Uh, myself, Alex Hurst, Ben Wade alongside me and on the line we have Mickey Collin and Andy Bolland and also first time this season for Richie Smith. Uh, pleasure to have everyone here to kind of talk about the Premier League's crisis football club um, as we are absolutely dominating uh, the media patter today all over TalkSport, all over Sky. The Keith Bishop PR machine is in full swing. <laughs> However, some good news first of all um, for everybody listening. True Faith, uh, our host, our first ever talking event. Um, well, it's not necessarily good news for everyone, is it? Well, everyone who can come, and it'll be videoed. And the, well, I was more thinking the people that despise True Faith. Oh well, they won't be listening, would they? Um, and I'm, they can't come. But anyway, yeah, we've got a live talking um, September seventh, Thursday, September the seventh, at the Irish Centre in Newcastle. We have gathered um, everyone and anyone who matters in the northeast um, about uh, on Newcastle United to talk to us, the fans, about what the hell is going on. So, so what, what what sort of big big media names have we got there, Dozzy? We've got loads of big media names, Ben. We have off the who's top. Who's topping the bill? Who's topping the bill? I'll let I'll let I'll let the listeners decide who tops the bill. But we will have Louise Taylor from the Guardian. We will have Simon Bird from the Mirror. Martin Hardy from the Independent. George Colton from the Times, Mark Douglas from the Chronicle, and Luke Ale- Luke Edwards from the Telegraph. And have I missed anyone? And uh, Alex Hurst from and the Alex, True uh, Faith. Maybe Pro- Alex Hurst, editor of True Faith. Maybe. Editor uh, of True Faith, you bloody host of the you, True Faith podcast is your bloody big villain. So. Right. I, I, I didn't expect this many interruptions, so I do apologise. But tickets will be on sale. Check the links on social media. £10. All of the money from the ticket sales goes to the NUFC Food Bank. All of it. So, you know, thank you to the Tyneside Irish Centre for hosting us free of charge. All the money goes to the food bank. The food bank is collecting food every single match day. It'll be there before West Ham. Um, you can also donate money. We'll, we'll put a, a, a text. You know, if you're not in the area and want to donate money to the NUFC food bank, we'll put the, the link on in the phone number to do so. Um, but, yeah, come down. We'll all be there. Everyone from the podcast, it's like all of the, the journalists, uh, the local journalists in the northeast um, who have their finger on the pulse and know what's going on, will be answering questions on the night. Questions can be posed on the night and we'll accept questions through Twitter. Um, so please come down, please buy tickets. You know, if no one buys tickets, then we won't do another one. And it's a fantastic opportunity. I feel it's the only event of its kind where we'll get everyone together like this and all of the, you know, lads and lasses, because, you know, we've got a fantastic set of journalists in the Northeast who, 
who are really the antithesis of their colleagues in the uh, in the national media. So, yeah, please come down, and if you could share the event on uh, social media, that would be absolutely fantastic. Right, that was... Good word, that thought, by the way. Antithesis, you don't hear that every day. No, you don't. This is what you get at the That's True all. Faith podcast. Right, lads, we did the match day yesterday. We did the match day podcast, and um, it was a kind of a split between where we ended the podcast, Bolland, you were of the belief that you were being censored, which you weren't. We just had to get on the road. Um, so I'm going to give you the floor uh, to kick things off and just remind you that you said um, that the case at Newcastle United was terminal. Uh, so, Bolland, did Huddersfield deserve to win? Uh, I think, well, they deserved to win in the sense they scored more goals than the studs. But um, having had 24 hours to digest it, I think perhaps slightly harsh I still think things are, are terminal whilst Mike Ashley's in charge of the club I don't think we've strengthened enough or necessarily where we needed to and it's going to be a long brutal season for us and I think I think we can all agree it's going to be tough for us with the, the squad of players that we've got OK so that's um, that's fine and I want to, want to get into that later in the podcast but so I want to talk about the game first of all um, you, you, you yesterday I, uh, OK Bolland, Bolland. So, uh, I'm getting that so I think you know no matter Richie chance of that goes in, maybe we, maybe we do go on and win the game because we didn't defend horrendously as we said yesterday. But there was just uh, apart from the Richie chance, I can't think of many others where we really looked like threatening. I don't feel like we had much going forwards. It was they're not they're not a good side, but they took they took our key players out of the game. I mean, Richie was anonymous for most of it. Uh, Gale was quiet again, probably not through any fault of his own, or like a try and um, and I think we just missed that cutting edge, and maybe that cutting edge of Shelby, and he's getting sent off because he's damaged us for two games, at least in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I, I still think we're in deep shit. I mean, yesterday, so just to push you a little bit further, yesterday, Bolland, you said before the game you thought we'd win four 0 um, and yeah, I'm try, trying to be optimistic. No, no, that's fair enough. But you, you know, you did ask and you did say in the podcast and you said in the way down, it wasn't like banter. You said that mm-hmm. you said that you, th- you you thought would win, and I agreed with you. And then you said after the game um, that you thought Huddersfield deserved it. You thought they were the better team, and you thought that performance was similar to a Carver Pardew esque. I mean, fair enough. It was you, a little bit because we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything. We were just sort of. We weren't out of the game, but we didn't. I didn't feel like there was any drive or impetus that we were going to get back. Once they scored, me and Mickey turned to each other and went, oh, "This is over, isn't it?" Because I just didn't feel like we were, we were going to get anything. I mean, Ben, watching it on TV, was that the impression that you got? Not at all. I think Huddersfield were the better team. Fair play, then they came out quite quickly. They they dominated for the first twenty five minutes. It was quite worrying. We we started slowly, but having said that. The only sort of dangerous opportunities they were getting were from our own stupid mistakes. Um, Elliot just kind of kicked the ball properly, so he was putting him under a lot of pressure. Um, there was a few sort of mistakes. The, the the commentators on Sky were constantly singing this Van La Parra's praises down the left, saying, oh, he's causing Newcastle's problems every time. I honestly he didn't, didn't know he was playing. I didn't he, know he was playing. He <laughs> didn't beat Mankio once. Yeah. Didn't get a decent ball in the box once, and you're just thinking, Carragher, like it's as if they've just got some 
I, I don't know what he was watching. So but it anyway, looks like they've got a senior London PR agency paying them to say stuff. <laughs> but never mind. I wouldn't possibly but it, suggest but that. But it was just af- after the first twenty-five minutes, we started to get back into the game. Um, much to everyone's sort of distress because they, they obviously wanted to see we get battered. But um, there was very little between the two teams, and really, you, you're saying we didn't create anything, um, Bolland. But Perez has missed the chance of the season so far. Um, literally two y- two yards out, falling back has put one over the bar. Um, absolutely disgraceful finish. Uh, Hosselu's a bit unlucky. Brilliant little move from him and Atsu to get him a bit of space, and it's a brilliant like last ditch tackle to stop him potentially getting an equaliser. The Richie chance, literally any higher or lower, it, it was just unfortunate. It was brilliant perfect. Save. Brilliant it's save. brilliant save, but it's at the only height that he can save it. If that's on the ground or a bit higher up, he doesn't save that. But it, it was a hell of a save from the keeper given that. Um, but I mean, they, we we started to get into the game. I mean, we were putting them under pressure. That the, the centre back was struggling, kept getting caught a lot. Um, you're right. I think Richie was quiet again, but I think a lot of that was because he started over on the left uh, with Mbemba, who just it was like watching Paul Dummett from a few years ago back in the Premier League, where he just refused to go ahead of the okay. the halfway so line. I'll bring, so I'll bring Mickey on on that, Mickey, because you were unhappy with that selection. I was, and it's really unfair because I thought Mbemba defensively was was very good um but he's just he's just not a left back he's not a full back he didn't offer he didn't offer anything at all going forward and it it isolates the winger that's playing in front of him completely most like the most apparent thing was that there was never a point where Richie or Atu had the balls like 10 or 15 yards inside their box and then Mbemba runs past them and takes the full back away doesn't necessarily look for the ball, but just takes the man away. So they've only got one, only got only got one man to beat instead of two. What would you have done instead? For the whole game, and I thought I thought it was really costly. It, it completely nullified both wingers when they were playing on the left hand side, and, and it's it's very unfair on Mbemba because I thought he was excellent defensively. What, you, oh, Winky, what would you have done just, instead? Give me a, give me just, your alternative. What? Can I? What would you? What? What, so, what would you have done well, instead? The issue, the issue is that there is no alternative, is there? That like, <laughs> yeah, you can't, we don't know what Rafa's plans are with Lazar, but he, well, Lazar and Gomez are two supposedly fit. Lazar hasn't got a squad oh, number for the Premier League, so he's he's out. But you said yesterday, I mean, fair enough if you've changed your mind. You said yesterday that you 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 weren't happy with team selection. Is that not the case? No, that wasn't that that wasn't because of Mbemba, which I thought um, he, he was the best option in a bad situation. The, the bad situation being that we don't have a fucking left back still after all these years. Um, my point about team selection was more focused on Perez, really, um, right. than anything else. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I mean to, to bring it back to the central point, I may I may as well bring Richie in for the first time again. Richie, you watched it on on TV. Do you think Newcastle were overly negative in their approach, as some critics have suggested, Richie? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I don't think the defence was a problem, really. I thought Bemba, you know, did a really good job just to pick up on that point. We just lacked so much bite, drive, invention, possession in the middle of the park. It was, it was a bit, a bit like it was a bit depressing to watch. If I'm going to be honest, like we're you know playing against a team who were finished a couple of places higher than last year and. They they just looked they looked like they just had so much more than us in the in in midfield. It was I, I, at 
times, at times it was like watching, like it was like watching. I don't know, like a almost like a cup game where you've got like a a Championship or a League One team playing a Premier League team. It, it, honestly, that was my perception of it. Um, you know, you had Hayden who just looked like he got kind of ran ragged all game, um, barely got on the ball. Uh, you had Marino who I thought. Um, you know, he, he did well to kind of, um, you know, get dig the ball out or put in a challenge, but his his distribution a few times, particularly in the uh, second half, was was um, uh, sorry in the first half was was poor. Um, Richie did absolutely nothing. Perez was I just thought atrocious. If I'm being totally honest, the whole midfield honestly, it it looked like we were. It looked like we were a championship. Like it looked like we were a championship team playing a Premier League team, and uh, that might sound massively critical, but that's honestly what it what it was like watching. I, I just never, aside from Richie's chance, I know. Okay, um, Perez missed that. What was what was basically a bit of a howler. We just looked so so off the pace and off the standard. It really kind of put a bit of a shock to the system for me yesterday. Like I, you know, I, I asked us a few weeks ago, kind of what the. Um, what I think we could achieve even with this squad and I was on the optimistic side but having that yesterday I know it's you know it's we're only two games in it's easy to make flash judgments but I, it did it did it did concern us yesterday just how much quality and bite and everything else we seem to be lacking okay yeah, I want to get on a little bit later to the, the start of the season I'll just come back to you a little bit in your terms of your criticisms there it's like I don't it was a strange one. The, the main concern for me is that for Ben, when did Huddersfield score? 48. Or 48. Or two, two weeks in a row, I've been very content and very comfortable at half time. And I don't know what um, your view at half time was, Richie and Ben. And Bolland and Mickey, I was, wasn't stood with you. But certainly me, uh, me, Cy, and Green Street were very content at half time. You know, this was Huddersfield's first game in the Premier League. It was all blood and thunder, and it was a little bit like they came on for 20, 25 minutes. They were trying to play balls through the middle. They were trying to play balls, you know, one-twos and that. And they ran out of ideas very quickly, and we grew into the game more and more as the as the first half went on. And I suppose that's kind of similar to the Spurs game. And then, then we've kind of had this self-destruct moment after half-time, and we've got worse after half-time, which is a worry now last week. Obviously, the red card. You can't. You can't really blame the manager of the team for that. This week, we've had that self-inflicted moment where it's a fantastic goal, but it's still a mistake, giving him the time and room to play the one-two. And Marino was miles from him um, when he picked up the ball and ran. And it's, it's kind of worrying for me that we didn't. It's almost like half time was bad for us, which is a concern. And I think that's what I'm not uh, going to compare. Compare. Compare, compare uh, this to Alan Pardew from Nita's Alan Pardew, but that was always the issue with with Pardew, wasn't it? It was like half time was bad for the team because we'd always come on so much worse second half, and that that was an issue and definitely something yesterday. Whereas I thought we should have been thinking kind of the same against Spurs, but again, I'll, it's the John Joe Shelby factor, right? We've got a, you know the the game's broken up into stages, isn't it? We got to ten, fine. We got to twenty five, fine. We've got a 35, we're controlling the game a little bit more. We've got a 45, we didn't want half-time to come. And then it, you, you need to keep going from there. Whereas I thought we're kind of, and this might be the manager, 
I thought we tried to start again, second half, if that makes sense, when we should have been thinking, right, where you know, front foot, where we're left up, let's start like a house on fire, second half, and it kind of allowed Huddersfield a little bit to come onto us. So that was a that's a criticism from me for the team and the manager and the setup. But I certainly I certainly felt that as a, a team away from home in the Premier League, and forget about for the moment, it's you know, we, we all sat in there. Ben, can you believe it's been a year since I spilled well, you spilled a pint of coke on yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's been a year. Um, two games into the championship, we all sat here after just defeat the Huddersfield. We sat in the brand and doing the podcast. I wrote off Isaac Hayden as a footballer. Wrong. Um, and we all said we've lost to Fulham and we've lost to Huddersfield, who are both shit and are both going to get relegated. We were wrong as well. And while we're both still poor results, don't get us wrong, they certainly weren't. It wasn't terminal and. I now don't look at Newcastle social media after a defeat. It's not worth it. Um, but but <laughs> unless it's ours. Yeah, but but by all I think, accounts, I, the, say, I think the difference at that this stage last year was that we had a team that we know were better in quality. This year we don't. Okay. Yes and no, Bolland, because this time last year everyone was being written off. Not to, I'm not talking about us here. Gail wasn't good enough. He was rubbish. Matt Ritchie was. You know, there was a lot of negativity, and you know, I'll come to kind of where we are and stuff later. But back to the game and what Ritchie said. I, did, I mean, it's fi- it's fine, and I accept your opinion. But being at the game, I thought this was like I expected more from Huddersfield in terms of an attacking threat. And I said on the um, the match day pod at half time, I didn't know whether they'd run out of ideas or they'd just matured a bit because I just couldn't see them scoring. Apart from from a set piece or a mistake, and it was a mistake, mm-hmm. which let them, you know, let well, them in. There was there was the one just before half time where Marino like fell over. Yeah, and a, a, just a bad pass from them stopped them from from being in. Brilliant recovery from Bemba, but yeah, that it was just mistakes. It was getting them in. So yes, admit you know what, lads. Just said quickly, like we, I mean, Mickey said at half time, like we're like we're pleased to get in at half time at nil nil, and then we're like, similar to what you said, like kick on in the second half, and that didn't happen. We made the mistake and conceded the goal. But even after we conceded the goal, it was just so flat. Richie said it as well. There was nothing, no impetus to go forward. We didn't rally really. Like it was just like we went one 0 behind, and it was like, well, yeah. we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Um, the same like Rafa's subs as well were a bit like. I would have just maybe we don't know if Gale was injured or whether he was just wasn't feeling it or whatever. But like, bring someone like Roland Arns or Jacob Miffy on at that stage, like, make like a positive. I don't know, Jocelyn is a positive substitution, I guess, in some ways, but like, do something to sort of rally us, and it just didn't come, it was just the same. I, I disagree. Flat performance. I disagree a little bit. I think Jocelyn did have a positive impact because then we had a. I mean, he was starting to get the ball and sort of bring it down and get win. I think the problem we've had with in the first two games with Gale is that against Spurs, he was up against players that are just out of his league, um, and we just didn't put good enough balls to give him really an opportunity. He had one or two chances. Yesterday again, it was sort of we didn't really have enough of the ball to get him in the the right areas. Now, obviously, we 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 said it the last two weeks. He's just too isolated with Perez. Now, I completely agree. I think that the substitution that came in there was the wrong one because I think Perez, how he stayed on any longer, it would. I mean, okay, I get that he wants to keep that rigid sort of style, the the rigid play, but. I mean, surely Gale can't do any worse behind a hustler or in that. Well, tenor, we just or... thought, and we could be wrong. We just thought the way Gale played, and he didn't make any runs in behind, and he wasn't his usual self. We just thought it's like he he, he didn't feel right. He mm-hmm. didn't. I don't know because it was such a strange yeah. move to take off Gale, but then and keep on Perez, like you say, mm-hmm. 
it's it's almost like but to go to go just to quickly say I kind of agree, Bolland, in hindsight, when you make that Gale substitution, you can make a double sub. You could take off um Perez and Gale and bring on Hosselu and an Aaron's or a Murphy and, and try and, and try and stretch the game a little bit. Like I thought that Hud I think Huddersfield's back four were not really tested with anything in behind. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we kept being caught offside, but we were being caught offside from like bizarre like players running back, players making runs kind of across the back four, not not behind it, but too early. It was frustrating. But uh, yeah, I mean, suppose my, my overall point is just to disagree with Richie a bit. I didn't think it was Championship versus Premier League. I thought it was a Premier League team playing at home who who just didn't really grab the game. And I think we probably plan to play a little bit of counter-attacking football you know what maybe that was Huddersfield being very very coy and thinking well you know what let's bide my time here a little bit but I also think it's we're going to see a lot of those games away from home where it's first it, it's not first goal wins but in the Premier League it's a stat isn't like 69% that, I mean, of the games I, are I think what you what Richard put there was I mean yeah I, I don't think they were a class ahead above where I think it was two teams that are very much but the difference they had was they had a lot of pace Um in their attack, in in terms of they they seem to be getting a lot more space and a lot more um, sort of opportunity to play the balls in behind that we weren't. And I think obviously what you were saying there with with Gale, I think there's probably an element of frustration because he's not getting the service. Um, there's also the element of he's he's obviously had this injury and he's apparently he's worried about. He feels like it's gonna gonna could could happen again soon. So it's potentially all, all of those sort of things. But I just feel like the the first sort of the the opening stages of both halves it was. A case where they they sort of came out looking to sort of take it to us and had a lot of pace in terms of Ince Kajunga, um, in in Van Lepare. But again, they didn't they didn't really do anything with it, and I, I just feel like it was one of those where it, it was just two very defensive teams, and it was just a a case of whoever got the goal was going to win it. Richie, from you know, I feel just just to jump in there, you talk about Huddersfield's pace, and one of Rafa's. From what I understand, big thing was trying, like you know, strategies was to try and get more pace in the in the team. Yeah. Like, look at our midfield yesterday. Like, where's the pace? It's it's Atsu, and that's it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Richie's not exactly electric. No. Hayden, you know, I mean, he's sitting most of it most of the time. Marino doesn't strike us as a guy who's like rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, Perez is like sometimes looks like he's running through tar. <laughs> yeah, and I just think the pace that we had, we had pace on the bench, and I don't know, it just just felt, just looked so laborious. It, is, it was no surprise that Huddersfield looked like the more attacking, just, energetic just, team. But then, just, just say it, Richie, you want to go from back, don't you, mate? Um, <laughs> but Richie, then you say, uh, and fair enough, that's how it may have come across on TV, but they might have looked like the more attacking team, they might have looked more energetic. Well, how come they didn't have, really have a chance in the game? I can't, I can't remember... Unless I'm wrong here, I can't remember Rob Elliott making a save um, at all. I think he had one straight at him first half, and he, then yeah, he had one where Atu put in Tom Ince. And this is the, sort of the this is the we- shot, this but... is the weird thing for me in terms of historically and watching Newcastle United away from home in the Premier League. My next question was going to be for you, Mickey. <laughs> Any positives at all? Because when I said that yesterday, you had quite a you, you didn't agree. Do you take anything positive from that game, Mick? I struggle to to be honest. Um, I thought. I thought we defended reasonably well as a unit, although I was disappointed with how many. Well, we, I don't, I can't remember us winning a single header against that big striker. But um, the overall defensive performance I thought was fairly positive. Um, that's all, though. Attacking wise, there's nothing, nothing positive whatsoever to take from that performance. Although we're 
I thought look really, really short. I thought um, Moreno, when I said this to the lads live, um, I don't know if it came across on TV, but he was seriously blowing after about 40 minutes. He was like bent over. I think he that's... was like first game in English football. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and I, I was impressed that he lasted the full game after that because we we well, were si- no choice. we were saying to each other like he's knackered. <laughs> and you know when he um right at the end of the first half, it was no surprise that he just I fucked up over. there <laughs> because he just couldn't run, he yeah. couldn't move. And fair fair play to him for I say fair play to him like you know football <laughs> lasts ninety minutes. Is what an absolute hero getting the <laughs> worthy of credit across or whatever it is. But I thought I thought the pot, I thought I thought Marino's. Like I, I like him, I think he'd be a good player for. Her. He'll he'll get better every game he plays. However, um, Hayden and fact any any game Hayden and Marino are the new callback and Hayden. Um, they are are too negative, and I think even when there are issues oh. with Shelby, I believe I would start Modi Ame if we don't sign anyone. Presumably we don't sign anyone alongside one of them because, like you say yesterday, I thought you know I think the obituary of Matt Ritchie, by the way, is. Is very premature by some Newcastle fans. Um, they knew that we had an out through the middle. So I said this at half time on the um, match day pod. Um, Moy and his central midfielder partner was Billy. dropping so deep, but, but behind the centre backs at times. Yeah. But they were out every time Atsu or um, Richie got the ball. Not only did they have the two. Um, wide players to contend with, they had at least one central midfielder, and, and Huddersfield recognised that all of our attack and play without Shelby is down the flanks, and without it, we've got nothing. And it's like the two holding midfielders when the number ten position is such a problem. It's that's not going to work in, in future. In it's my just, opinion. it's just that I think it's. I mean, I, I'd love to see Shelby and Marino on a team together because I think they'll complement each other very well. Both very good on the ball. Both positive players looking to play balls forward now. Marino, I think Richie said before, he was, there was a few poor passes, but at the same time, I think what you were saying, he did, wasn't really getting the runs in behind. I didn't, as, as you said, um, Gail wasn't really sort of looking looking to get on the last man. I think he, he definitely is looking for those passes. So I think it's one where, as you say, as he gets fitter, as he gets sort of used to how we play, um, I think those two could could be really good good uh, partnership together. Quite attacking, like <laughs> there's been no cover for the. Uh, the back four if those two are playing together but um it's just it was just a frustrating one that that we didn't have Shelby because I feel like he he's better than Moy. He he would have like sort of dictated that game. Um but it's it's just obviously it's one we'll just have to sort of move on and and just build build on and, and hopefully uh sort it out going forward. Richie on the telly was there much made of these alleged um red card offences because obviously during the game, we didn't notice them. You look at social media today, and there's a lot of stuff about um, the fact that Huddersfield easily could have been down to ten men. Were we unlucky, or was it something that's just kind of a social media issue? Um, probably had a, we probably had a case in point. Um, didn't strike us as being, you know, so kind of sure-fired um, Reds. You know, when you compare it to say what Shelby did last week, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think that would have been pushing the straws a bit. I mean, the handball incident um, was it was definitely a handball. You know, we should have we should have got a penalty, but I I, I find it difficult to kind of um, I find it difficult to kind of blame the referee on and getting the lucky decisions yesterday on on the result. I just it just felt like a yeah I don't know just. 
just I, I take on board everything you said there, Dog, about the fact that you know you felt that first half were you know the board would get were comfortable. I, I guess a lot of my concern is thinking what happens when we play, you know, a, a better team than Huddersfield. Just it's just you know just feel like we need to we need to show more than we did yesterday um, against better teams. The, the, there's only mine you apparently better than at the minute. Quite a big ask. I think that 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 takes us into kind of where how worried you lads I mean again social media etc and people thinking we're going to be relegated and Bolland in fact you 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 said that without you said in the podcast yesterday that without serious additions which I'm not sure we're going to get unless some players leave we're not we're not going to buy anyone unless any players leave um that will be relegated do you stick by that Bolland is it is it that serious for you yeah I think it is I think the step up to this league is massive and Huddersfield aren't way ahead of us um, if at all really not on the basis of yesterday are, but uh, we'll come up against better teams than this and we'll, we'll struggle if we play like we did to, against Huddersfield um, the problem we've got is that when we lose players so we've got three of our back four out at the minute and hopefully that doesn't happen again for the rest of the season but we've got very little to work with. We've got no left back because he's obviously written Haidara and Nazar off, and you find it difficult to disagree with that position. But also, we lose Shelby, and we saw in the championship how painful that is for us. If he gets an injury or continues to act like a pillar, that's going to be an issue for us. Uh, the the wingers as well. I don't. We haven't seen enough of Jacob Murphy yet, and whether Aaron's gets a chance. But I don't. I'm just not entirely confident that we've got the quality. All in all, I just I think Gale Gale's kind of strike if you get him service, you'll score goals. But he looks a bit like do you remember when, like Michael Owen when we went down and like you know if you got Michael Owen the ball in, in the box, he'd probably score. But we just we're not getting him those kind of chances. And uh, have we got a good enough team to start making those kind of chances? I'm I'm pretty concerned at the minute. I think we need two or three more players to be in with a shout, staying up at the minute. I think it, it's that. Well, I'm, actually, I'm not going to write us off totally, but we're definitely going to be in the thick of it. Right in the, bo- the, end, in the bottom in three. Mickey, your thought, your f- same question to you. Say that again, Dad. Sorry, I couldn't hear. Same question. Do you think we're, are, you, are you thinking we're going to be relegated after the first two games? No, I don't think we'll get relegated. I think we're in for a longer season than we we predicted. Um, <clears throat> I do. I, I, I do have major concerns about where the goals are coming from, but it's not going to be like that at home. Firstly. <laughs> Which um, which which is a, a major factor in us staying up. Will be a major factor in us staying up at home form. Um, and I do think a couple of players will come in. Uh, I really do. I think um, it was quite apparent from the performance that I mean to everyone that we, that we need reinforcements. And I think I think it'll happen whether it comes in the form of loans or last minute deals or or what. I think we'll um, we'll reinforce slightly and. And I think we'll be reasonably comfortable at the end of the season. There's worse teams than us. I think we'll probably end up talking about it. But do you know what just makes such a massive difference to us is if we could get a number ten, like a real yeah. uh, proper number ten. Well, just, just just doesn't it be just a player? Like we're playing with ten men at the minute. It feels like half the time. I, I don't know whether DR may even get fit can still hack it at this level remains to be seen. Oh, but I think. Oh. Sorry, Richard. Some someone someone in that position it was a problem for us last year and it should have been identified as a problem this year and it, whether it, whether Rafa's just been forced to make the decisions he's made 
and there hasn't been able to get someone in that position. I don't know. But... I mean, it's one. He, he did it at the end of the game when he took Perez off. He put Richie in in the hole, and I think once Murphy or Aaron's get get a bit more sort of experience, well, as they get more game time and probably a bit more um sort of involved, you you might see them them do do that because I think there as well. If Richie's through the middle, he's what appears to be a lack of pace would would be sort of less of an issue through the middle. Um, so I, I think that's one that should definitely look at. You just feel like every time he's he's select Perez, and I mean he did he did one or two things all right, and he he's not useless all the time. But there's just so many times where he's not in the positions where he needs to be, and it just appears so ineffective that you do feel like you you're playing with ten minute times. I think Perez is just not a number, don't you? Perez's best games or the best things you see Perez do is when it's sort of like an instinctive thing, like he's running into the box onto a ball. Because um, we know he can finish, it's just his build-up play and his, he takes too long on the ball, too many touches. His decision making slow, in my opinion. He's just—I don't think he's not—he's not a number ten. He's mm-hmm. he's an average, probably an average striker, really. But yeah. that's where he should be. Um, I tell you, I tell you one thing: there's there's not a chance we're doing anything if we're if we're result if we're resorting to the army playing for us this season. There is not a chance. He, he, he's not he is not at the prem, he's not a Premier League standard and uh, you know he, he did a job for us last season but we're kidding ourselves if we think like the army is you know like going to be a really useful addition to the the squad this year I just I just I'm, I'm amazed that people think that I really am um, well, Dodsey do you want to elaborate well, on your uh... um, I, I kind of never I didn't you know a few weeks ago I didn't consider oh. him uh, as like in my plan not that I have plans but you know, in my team, I think um, what what he does do in the number ten position and what worked well with Gale last year is it, it gives us an outlet to play the ball long. But then again, so does CM De Jong in terms of the height he has. Uh, one of the issues of playing Perez and Gale is that, and you know, everyone knows, I don't think Rob Elliott is a Premier League goalkeeper. Want to stick up from a little bit with his dreadful kicking yesterday. He was aiming for Matt Ritchie, who's like five foot ten. So like, it's almost like we're so small up front for kicking it long that it it really hamstrings hamstrings the team. And Diarmish can't win a header, but he can compete and he can make the centre back head the ball or or try and contest possession. And yeah, these are minor things I'm talking about. And I do trust Diarmish's ability, and I thought he made a difference when he came on yesterday in terms of getting his head up and playing some decent balls out wide and stuff like that, which the other two lads weren't able to do. So I don't I'm not as negative about him as you are, uh, Richie, but but time was telling I'd certainly rather we had a, a better player than that. But I don't think it it'll be uh terminal for the team if Modiami makes twenty twenty five appearances across the season, uh, off the bench or otherwise. Um you know, just just from my point of view, just to try and contextualise where we are, um like I don't know who it was today. Someone said they would kind of look at the league table after eight or ten games. Um, obviously it's easy to say that, and you know, if we were to lose to West Ham, you know, international break. <laughs> uh, but we've been here before, haven't we? Uh, you know, Pardew last season was started it terribly. You know, we lost the first four games or something like that. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think we drew with Palace and lost the other three before the international it break. Was like November or something before? Aye. And it's that wasn't a brilliant team or anything like that. And I looked at the the Premier League table last season. After ten games, six teams had ten points or less. We're picking up a point a game or less. 
Um, so the le- the league historically has always been very very tight until about Christmas uh, in January. And you know you've got to remember last season or the season before last, the McLaren after eight games we had three points, <laughs> five defeats and uh, three draws, and we were never cut off or adrift. So it's not I'm not trying to be overly positive here or positive for positive sake, but. I certainly haven't really changed my pre-season predictions that we'll be fine from relegation and closer to 10th and 17th. Um, on these two games, we can defend, which is something we've never that's, been able to do for years. That's the biggest thing, isn't it? We um, solid. <laughs> you know, Atsu was fantastic against Spurs and everyone seems to be on a bit of a downer about him. Um, I know he didn't have the best game the other day, but it's yesterday, but... He was quiet, but he was... He, he sort of was involved in the, the one bit of quality that sort of yeah. half chance for Hosselu we'll have, he made we'll have a bench we'll have options on the bench which if you remember the, the previous times we were in the Premier League it was really disappointing yesterday it was a shit day like it, even though it was only two hours on the sat nav I still left the house at 8am picked all the use up it didn't get home until 7 o'clock at night it was like an 11 hour 11 hour day where I was exhausted <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a drink and it was just like the, the game itself and the experience was energy sapping and I kind of got that from Rafa as well in his post-match interview, and I suppose it's nice. It's a it's a nice little segue to to go into, um, you know, where where you stand on this, Richie. I'll come to you first, and just what what's going on at Newcastle United. Um, I mean, it all everything here when you kind of putting the pieces all together, it all just feels a bit messy at the minute um, you've got a manager who from the outside looking in feels like is a complete and utter loggerheads with with the owner of the club um, Lee Charlie who uh, Rafa spoke pretty highly of last season seemed to have a really good working relationship you know talked reasonably frequently in the media about you know how well him and Charlie were getting on and how positive that relationship was. You know, Rafa, Rafa's barely mentioned Lee Charney's name, uh, um, you know, in recent weeks, which I think is telling. Uh, I think, I think, came around to realise that, you know, Lee got, got nothing, really. There's one man who uh, makes the decisions and maybe Rafa wasn't as exposed to that last season as he is, as he is now. Um, the Mike Ashley interview on Sky, I think, has uh, has probably really wound Rafa up even more so, and has made the situation worse. It was it was blat- it was a blatant approach and, and tactic by Ashley to just fight back against um, Rafa's kind of uh, noises in the media, and it's just it just feels horrible. It feels like. All of the positivity that was built up last season, you know, all uh, the vast majority of it by Rafa himself, just just feels like it's just rapidly just tumbling downhill, and it's just it's depressing to see. It's depressing that we're, we're talking about Mike Ashley on a on a daily basis after barely even thinking about the bloke last season, which was you know which was actually pleasurable. And the fact it's that it's the it's the same old same old situation. As soon as I. As soon as Ashley is more visible, um, and you hear more of his name, things are just always worse at the club. And um, just a, I don't know if you're going to come on to this, but just a special uh, special mention to Jamie Carragher, who 
before Monday Night Football tonight was essentially having a go at Benitez talking about you know how he um, he Benitez is, is pulling down the mood of the club and you know what right I just think if it wasn't for Benitez Carragher you, you'd literally be a bit of a nobody like he this is a, this is this is a bloke who basically helped you win things that you would have never normally ever have won um, or achieved and and to have a bloke come out and start slating uh, Benitez and the media I think it's downright disrespectful and it's just, just so disappointing that you can you know you can you can take it on the chin when morons like uh, Adrian Durham are just doing it just to get people to you know ring in and you know bite at him but when people like Carragher are doing it the bloke the bloke who you know Benitez essentially made really and for him to be you know sticking the sticking the knife in when everyone it was every what the certainly not Rafa Benitez I think it's not absolute disgrace like it's it's the most worrying thing for me is that it's a targeted campaign so over the last week off the top of my head we've had Dean Saunders Graham Souness um, <laughs> some of the pantheons of great uh, uh, Jamie Carragher uh, John Carver <laughs> uh, Simon Jordan um, who else and some other people who are all paid people within the media to talk about football. They all work for Talk Sport or Sky, which I think is essentially the same company anyway, but never mind that. And uh they all they're all pro Mike Ashley. They're all not only are they all pro Mike Ashley, they've all had something negative to say about Rafa Benitez. And it's like you might have one or two people who take the objective opinion that Benitez has been given enough money even though we've spent I think Brighton have now net spend of 52 million and we've spent 24 net spend this summer um, we've spent you know 15 less than Huddersfield net spend you might get one or two people you might get I don't know just say I don't know like De- Dean Saunders is a fucking idiot so let's go with him <laughs> um, he might have come to that bizarre conclusion that Mike Ashley has been completely fair and reasonable and open and that Rafa Benitez has the tools to compete in the Premier League. But for all of them to come to the same conclusion, and for Mike Ashley at the same time to be speaking to, to Sky, not in UFC TV, not the Evening Chronicle, but fucking Sky, um, with his best pal Craigie, um, in in a in a bizarre interview, and in, in, like no no one's really analysed the interview properly. Like I haven't done a I haven't put anything on True Faith about it. Um, you know, I've, I've I've mentioned it in the special, and Mick Martin's mentioned it in his editorial today, and was his column today, and people have talked about it on Twitter. But Mike Ashley essentially sat there and gave, um, at best, uh, a delusional account of ten years in Newcastle, with dates mixed up, with with events completely mixed up. Like for for example, he said that near the start of his time at Newcastle, the thought that got things right with Alan Pardew, well. That summer, we, we, we spent £6.8 million on Vernon Anita and then, then became the first Premier League team in history to um, not sign a permanent player for, for, for two seasons, four transfer windows. And it, it's, uh, oh, sorry, it was after the um, Sissoko and Gufran purchases, panic purchases. 
And it was like that wasn't picked up on by the interviewer. It hasn't been picked up by anyone in the media. No one, when I listened to Simon Jordan on TalkSport on the way back from footy tonight, he was talking about Newcastle, obviously, because Newcastle dominates. Um, there's no, like, there's no, you know, um, analysis of, of anything that Mike Ashley's done or said or, you know, there's no analysis of, you know, I run a business and it, it just because I run a business doesn't make me any more qualified to comment on this. Everyone can see it. Newcastle United are probably the only business of its size that are, they're probably going to turn over 160 million quid. Maybe I'm exaggerating that, I don't know, but with the TV money and the fact that, you know, West Ham sold out 10 days, 10 days in advance, the Spurs sold out. Some of the tickets for Spurs were 62 quid. Um, and we're the only business probably in the world that turns over 160 million quid and won't finance any any investment or borrow against future um income guaranteed income by the way um or or use an overdraft to um to 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 kind of build resources and speculate to accumulate like every business has um things on finance you know things that you borrow money because you know you can bring in money and you know you can grow in, in your castle or like this this line that actually keeps repeating of the club will get every single penny it generates i i don't i don't dis not i don't disbelieve him but why why does it have to be why does newcastle united have to be run run like some kind of car boot sale where like you can't you can't generate more than you bring in it it, it defies all logic in this this media pr keith bishop inspired campaign that is being like you say, Richie, the the interview with Sky is clearly pissed off Rafa because it's just like I can't, you know, everyone, you're you're all listening to this. Everyone who's listening to this is listening to us talk about a fucking PR campaign by our fucking owner against our world class manager, and it's you just like you have to take a step back and think, what the hell is going on? Do you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? How how on earth is is this happening? It, it's just. I don't have the words for it. It's just a it's just a joke. I don't know what you lads think. I've just been rambling for ten minutes, like, but I just can't believe what well, you're here, here again. Um, when we're in the car park, I said it, it's it's terminal and it's terminal whilst he's in charge. Nothing nothing will change. We've got a world class manager, but he's got like a, <laughs> a, a budget sized, well, just a fucking. Tiny he, budget, running like a a budget to work with. Like, the fact we haven't spent as much as Brighton and Huddersfield points that. And the reason that we won't is spend the money is probably because Ashley wants to sell the club and he doesn't really want it. So it doesn't make any sense for him to start racking but, up debt against but the, the thing club, is, even the, if it's the, guaranteed to be the, cleared. You know, the thing is, though, Bolland, it's like it's not. I don't even want him to put money in the club. The club would be able to get like it's finance. The club would be able to. You know, I know. I understand the accounts won't be great for last season, but they won't be out. Like, there's. I don't want Mike Ashley to put money into the club. I don't expect Mike Ashley to do anything. Any any other football, you know, you know, like you know, these other clubs. He doesn't want to borrow the club to borrow money on because he wants. No, but at the same time, he's got he's got sports direct all over the shop. Which okay, if the club's gonna generate it, then sack that off and get a proper. Even he's talking about oh, we can't compete with Man City and all the rest of it, getting a forty million pound name sponsor over. Well, fine, but. 10 million, 15 million, it would still be money generating at the club that we can use to, to buy a player. I just, the bloke's just a fucking idiot. If he, if he ran 
He wouldn't dare run Sports Direct like he runs Newcastle United. He wouldn't dare because it because it makes no sense. And even if he wants to sell the club, it just the fact that he's even we're even talking about relegation. And this is where it comes back to Simon Jordan and Jimmy Carragher and Graham Souness mentioning expectations. I mean, Graham Souness, Christ, mentioning Newcastle fans have got expectations. Like you know what I didn't expect, Graham. To fucking go to Man City when you were the manager and get done 3-0 by a team that scored something like eight home goals <laughs> in their other 18 league games. Um, you, it, it just, and it he just, never gets called, obviously yeah, it's just, called up it's on, just, his, on it's the just fact incredible. that he's clearly biased. But what, like, he's, he's risking so much. You know, the money he talks about, you know, in the interview he says there's no more money from him. Any money he's put into NUFC has only been to cover his own failures and whether it be the failure to do due diligence when he bought the club because it was a unbelievably quickly done deal which is mental or, or the failure by, by caused by relegation it just there isn't any logic here that's the thing if he was and even if he was to put in 15 20 million quid of his own money now and get it fucking back in april or something like that which i don't want him to do it would make more sense than than buying hoslu for five million quid because I, I, I thought Hosslew did well when he came on and I thought he's he, he, he might be a good player and he has pedigree but he's a gamble isn't he let's face it he's a he's a hope he's a lad who couldn't get on Stoke's bench mm-hmm. like this isn't a good position for the football club to find itself in um, it, it, it's just mental that he's willing to take this risk of he's, he's talked about for so long about wanting to all this delusional to speak of or like sort of winning something and He's 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 risking he's come he's risking the investments that he's made with it, like the priority regardless of what his future is, whether he wants to sell the club or not, he's he's only going to get his money back for it if it's a Premier League club, like and the TV money that he's going to get would probably cover all of his losses anyway. It's just Mickey, I can't believe that he's risking it. Mickey, we've not we've not heard from you in a while. Earlier on, you said you were still confident of um, further players coming in. Uh, this window, what like? Who do you, who, where do you think will strength, strengthen? What do you think will bring in for the rest of the window? Oh. <clears throat> Fuck knows, that's just blind hope, to be honest. Because um, otherwise, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just end up depressed about it all again. Um, <laughs> everyone, everyone can see the problems that we, that we need to address. We need a keeper, we need a left back, we need a number ten, and we need a striker and possibly a centre mid. Obviously, we're not going to get all of that. And all like, of that, it's not just getting all of that. It's like getting all of those players at a, to a to a good enough standard. Like Mankiw, Mankiw was a gamble, but it looks it looks like he's paid off. I'm, I know I'm ridiculously positive about him, but I just I think I think there's a player in there. He did he did well on. Sunday. I would agree with that, but um, it's not it's not enough though. It's not enough. Hopefully, when Yedlin's fit, we can move Mankiw across to play left back, and we have some semblance of an actual back four that are all playing in the positions that they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, Mickey, you what, what did you make of the cells yesterday? Uh, he, I, I just think he's a championship defender playing in the Premier League. He's, he's he was decent enough defensively, but with the ball at his feet, I thought he was really, really negative. He he, he turned back a lot. It was it was really apparent for the last ten minutes that he didn't have the confidence to take a to take a slightly riskier touch and make a forward pass. He would turn and play it back to Rob Elliott, which when you're chasing a, when you're chasing a game one nil down with ten minutes to go, it's, it's very very frustrating. Yeah, Rob Elliott can't kick. And, and, and uh, he, lo- he lost every header. Yeah, that's the I, thing I that worries me is for a big lad, he loses a lot of headers. Him and Clark did not win a header against that centre forward all game. That's that's not acceptable. For a lad of his size, he, he he's not good enough in the air, Lascelles. He, he he should be 
a lot more commanding. That is one thing that he struggled with last year, and I think it's, it's something he's he seems to up. have like he seems to be scared of of making a mistake, and and then because of that fear, he often takes the wrong choice. And like I know this this sounds ridiculously like English. But I wouldn't mind seeing him just crunching this couple of centre forwards and being like, you know what, you're in a game here. Um, he, he barely commits a foul. And I think he got booked yesterday for something incredibly soft. But it was like, I mean, I know he, he did actually go flying in on Deli Ali, which was great to see. But I want to see more of that. And when he was successful under Rafa, when he first came in, it was like nothing got past him because he was strong, because he was powerful, aggressive. because he was aggressive. And he seems to have lost that. But I, I would agree, Mickey. That um, that on the ball, I don't think he's unless he that drastically improves, because teams are going to sit back against when and teams kind of know what where strengths and weaknesses are. Like Kieran Clark was good on the ball. I thought Kieran Clark. I, I disagree with the people that think he's not a Premier League defender. I think he's a good player, Kieran Clark, and has proved it again yesterday. But um, it's like having having that like Elliot and Lascelles yesterday. It was like. Were just they just hardly passed to a black and white shirt and it was a bit of a disaster. But we're kind of we've gone back into the match now. You know, like immediately when you when you can't play the ball out of the back, especially with the, the way Rafa sets his team up. If we can't do it with with the keeper and one of the centre halves, if they're literally incapable of making a a positive pass out of the defence, we're fucked from the start. Yeah, and we don't play long because it's fucking Perez and Gale up front. Um. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Richie, um, Forest on Wednesday. Great, ideal game at the ideal time, or game where we could do without. No, nah, I think it's we need we need it. They need to get. They need to get a win. They need to get goals just to, just to give themselves some, you know, a bit of a bit of a kickstart like, and I think as well it gives a chance to get some players, uh, into the under the pitch, um. Like some Murphy, Aaron's, you know, you may even uh, Josselu, um, just to kind of impress, hopefully, and to stake a claim and, and to kind of show the other players who've been starting the past the, the first two games that, um, you know, that it's that there's 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 real competition there. Um, so it's absolutely a game. I think that's came at the right time and uh, and and. You just want to you just want to see them get a couple of goals, just because obviously until we get that first goal, it's kind of one of them things that you just you dread if we go another game, you know, get beat off West Ham or don't score against West Ham. You think where's the first goal coming from? So it's yeah, I think it's it's needed for them to put in a big performance against a truly horrible team. So huh. um, I yeah. I, th- I think um, it'd be interesting to see whether Hossley or Mitrovic start. Because I mean, the club are saying they've turned down loan offers, which I, I can see that why loan them out. Um, you just look at the amount of dross Jack Callback. Jack Callback, sixty or seventy grand a week makes sense because he was on a free. Um, but five year contract on seventy grand a week, something like eighteen million quid. You'll <laughs> have had off Newcastle in those five years. Um, a lot of money that isn't it? Even though I used to stick up for him, but if you just look at the like of likes of Callback. Hanley, Lazar, Krull, Riviere, Saive, he was on the bench on Sunday, but um, Gamez, it's just like one of the real, and this is what Mike Ashley's fans, if there are any, will say, is that 
if we'd have got rid of those players and brought in transfer fees, that would have been reinvested into the team. But it it's I mean apart from Gomez and Lazar, there were all you know there were all problems inherited by Benitez, and it's almost like you're hamstringing you know you're going to make things worse for the present day team because of the mistakes of the past. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Um, what are we now? Let me look at the date. Is it the twenty first today? So what we've got ten days left of the transfer window. Um, you'd imagine deadline day might be busy. Rafa could walk out on <laughs> deadline day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that'll be interesting. But like like you say, Richie, um, West Ham's is such a big game, isn't it? I mean, they they're conceding goals for fun. They look like a mess at the back. Winston Reed's injured. Um, Arnautovic will be suspended. You know you've. I I don't want to make, draw any conclusions too early, but it's uh, it would be a great game to win. <laughs> it'd be a great game to win. Uh, lads, is there anything else? Is it like it's a six point three games in? We've got a six point to the West Ham uh, and a, a bizarrely like crucial second round cup tie to the Forest. But How it, has it come to this? I disagree, Mickey. I think you know you're saying it's a six point. It, it, listen, if we lose the game. We're going to national international break with Swansea, Stoke, and Brighton to come. Points points to be gained. I'll say it again. You know, if we end up with, you know, we could lose the game and win the next two. And I know it doesn't sound likely and it's improbable, but I don't think it's at the stage yet. You know, the the team took a little while to click last season. Um, I still back the players we've bought to improve, and I know you might disagree and think they're not good enough. But um, listen, it is an important game, and and I would much prefer that. It wasn't such a big game as early in the season, but we would be cut adrift if anybody would likely, even if we lost to West Ham, would still only be three points behind them. And you know, I'll start getting severely nervous about the league table situation with Benitez in charge. Um, once we get to 10, 12 games, provided he's in I'm charge, not talking about the league table though, Dad, it's more about the mindset of the club and the fans that the, the game is so important for. Well, you can you could feel it, and you could hear it among some of the fans at um, at Huddersfield at the weekend, and you can see it on social media. We're on the brink of another, like another fucking massive meltdown with all the divvies. Um and we need we need we need a win to stop it. We do, but I, I'm I'm not too interested in pandering to them. As, as long as Benitez stays after the transfer window, um, I'd have every faith in in the in the team and. Pulling out the relegation zone, we will lose the game. But I suppose it's all if buts and maybe. I don't disagree with you entirely. Um, the game on Wednesday is a good chance to get some positivity. Forest have, st- <coughs> excuse me, Forest have started the season very well. I don't know what kind of team they'll put out, but uh, if we were to pick up two wins this week, it would certainly, like you say, appease a lot of the the people who are convinced we're getting relegated and. Let's not forget, Rafa's had his critics over the past few days as well from from Newcastle fans and from the media. Um, I know, I know. You know, we've, we've pointed out a couple of things on on this podcast which we think he could have done better. But uh, yeah, it's certainly a very a very strange and, and worrying time. And I, I agree with you that the positivity of two weeks ago has dissipated somewhat, and particularly the positivity after that. You know that that day against Barnsley last May, which was so positive. Oh, Lars, we've got through a lot. Is there anything else you want to say while we're here? No. Uh, right. Rally and try for everyone to get behind the team on Saturday. 
No negativity, no criticism, no <laughs> screaming at players when they misplace a pass. Believe that's, that is known let's as wish- make a good noise. That's known as wishful thinking, Mick, but I totally agree with the sentiment. Um gonna win four 0 Gale all four of them. Gale all four. Uh, do you remember this? Do you remember this stage of the League Cup last year, and just everyone got injured, and then yeah. like, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? Like Mitrovic don't, and don't Gale. Don't say that. And then Perez played against uh, Brighton and did all right. Did really well up front as a lone striker. Yeah, he did. I We're absolutely that. pissed on all over them as well. Yeah, we smashed that Brighton two 0 Great part of the day from Adrian Durham. I know he's a wind up merchant, but. He put into print what a lot of the, the, a lot of his type have been saying that Newcastle didn't win the league last season. It was beautiful. He said Brighton lost it. I love anything like that. Um, also, Matt, did you? I don't know if any of you watched Match of the Day last night, but did you, did you see how they did this clearly pre-prepared thing, regardless of the results, on how together the club are and how like important it was to the results that David Wagner is loved by the fans. It's just like if that's if that's the if that performance is the result of a totally together club heading in the right direction, I'd hate to see them at like at their worst because they were very average. <laughs> um, still beat us though, right? We'll call it there. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for your time, lads, and uh, we will have a preview podcast of West Ham with a West Ham fan looking back at the Forest game out on Thursday night. And uh, I hope everyone listening comes to the journalist panel that we've got on the seventh of September at the Irish Centre. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.